¿Estás solo? Luminous beings, Zoe. Not this crude matter. A communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. What is up, my friends? It is your boy, Rick Villanueva, here with a special bonus episode of Jammed Transmissions. Um, this was a very last-minute thing. I hadn't really decided to do this one until this morning, and uh, if you've seen the show art, you're, you're going to know why, or you've probably already figured it out. But today in Star Wars history is a pretty significant day, um, and maybe partly for cinema history. Um and kind of the evolution of movie trailers. So 25 years ago, it's hard to believe, but 25 years ago, the first trailer, the teaser trailer for uh, The Phantom Menace was released. And uh, boy, was that an event for um, for those of us who were there and remember what the lead up to The Phantom Menace was like um, around the time of the special editions uh, in 97 and <clears throat> it was it was a crazy crazy time so we're going to go back in time just a little bit and kind of i'm not going to go breaking down beat for beat everything that happens in the trailer or everything that was going on in the world at the time pre the phantom menace but i just want to give you an idea of what i was doing around that time in 1998 um just ahead of this trailer's release so at that time, in the summer fall of 1998, I was 20 years old. Um, I had already felt like I was an adult and seen everything, and boy, was I an idiot for thinking so. <laughs> and those years, you know, a lot of people who were around to remember uh, prior to the Phantom Menace and prior to the special edition, what it was like not having Star Wars on any kind of a screen besides watching VHS copies of the movies we had seen time and time again. Um, you know, we'll tell you that it was it was slim pickings for Star Wars fans um, at the time. You know, we, we look back now on what was there for uh, the expanded universe of the time and how many books had come out up to the point of The Phantom Menace and what all of that was like. But it was still, I mean, that was all we had. So, you know, it, it kind of, while it filled in kind of, you know, the need for having Star Wars in our lives, it was not Star Wars on the screen, which was, you know, for just about everybody that was, you know, kind of our introduction into Star Wars was going to the movies with our parents, or if we were old enough to go on our own to experience these movies and get sucked into this universe. I mean, it's the reason why there's, thousands of podcasts, you know, mine being one of them, um, that talk about star Wars now, 45 years later, um, 46 years later, it's hard to keep time, keep track of the years, but, um, it, it just to think about, you know, how we felt knowing that there was going to be new content 
I, mean, I hate to say it in content, but new movies coming, new new stories um, from George Lucas himself. And, you know, the hype was all there during um, the spring or late winter and spring of 97 when the special editions came out and seeing those trailers, you know, the um, see it again for the first time commercials that were running on TV and being excited for this new technology that George Lucas could finally tell the stories that he wanted to tell in his way and be the innovative filmmaker that we all kind of thought he was from the original trilogy. And, you know, now years later in retrospect, kind of learning that the added scenes of the special editions of the original trilogy were almost kind of a test for what they could do uh, coming into the Phantom Menace. You know, the Jurassic Park for ILM was a game changer. And if you've seen the Light and Magic documentary that's on Disney Plus right now, how worried everybody was who was in, you know, the creature shops and things like that post Return of the Jedi, where they felt like they were themselves becoming dinosaurs. And, you know, the the idea was that you either had to learn this new technology, which ILM did offer, um, you know, people to learn how to use computers and stuff like that, or you kind of fell by the wayside, uh, at least for a little while, because things like maquettes and props still had their place. You know, they had, there had to be physical representations of things, especially now. Um, it seems like things are made and scanned into computers um, to get motion and texturing and all kinds of other little crazy things that most of the time we don't even think about with movies. But leading up to the special editions and seeing those images for the first time of like Oronto walking past the screen or that little load lifter droid that there was a, big, a figure for that was like brand new for Star Wars. And it was just a thing that is in the background holding, you know, a, a rod or something like that. Um, but it was so exciting to think that we were going to get this whole new story and the galaxy was going to look bigger and feel just more. Uh, and again, being alive at the time and being, you know, conscious of what was happening with like, forums and chat rooms and things like that um the speculation leading up to the phantom menace was um insane i'm just, king tom's got printouts of things that people were saying from back in the day i don't know specifically to phantom menace but i know he's got some archives of that stuff literally printed out um and it's where you can look at some archived websites of what people thought of the, the title release um, and whether they thought it was good or not, or what they thought of the speculation of certain characters just based on their names and stuff. Like it's wild now when we get into Star Wars and online experiences and things like that, just because of social media. But at the time, the information was so uh, less like reliable, um, I mean, which I guess is similar to how things are now. But at the time, you kind of believed what was out there because there was nobody to tell you otherwise. And um, at least that's how it felt for me at 20 years old, 19 years old, kind of looking at some of those forums. Um, but uh, it was a wild, wild time to be in the Star Wars fandom. And when the announcement of, Phantom, of the Phantom Menace was announced, you know, it was like, dear God, what is going to happen to us fans? You know, because again, thinking about the the years without content kind of was like, if you 
expressed your fandom. It wasn't so much that there was a huge support network for you. Um, you kind of got ridiculed a little bit for it. I know I did. Um, where, you know, wearing a shirt, if you could find one, kind of had people like, oh, that's a kid's thing. What are you still doing, hanging, doing Star Wars stuff? And, you know, there was not necessarily a shame about it, but like you kind of had to be a fan um, on your own in some cases. At least that's how it was for me. I mean, I had friends that liked Star Wars, but maybe not to the same degree that I did. I, I had a few fans or friends that did. Um, that we would watch movies at, you know, each other's houses and stuff like that. But, you know, it wasn't like you could just go running around the park with a lightsaber at 18 years old in 1995 and not have people give you sideways looks because Star Wars wasn't as much in the zeitgeist as it was, you know, when the movies were coming out 15 years prior at that point. Um, but the the hype and speculation and the excitement for the movie was something that I don't know if it's been matched since, at least for me personally. I know like the lead up to The Force Awakens was huge, that Star Wars was now back again. Um, thinking about movies like Infinity War and Endgame have had a lot of anticipation and hype, um, but that was because of the buildup of the however many movies came out before it. Um, and movie culture just seems to be a lot different now where a trailer is released for a movie or a teaser or something like that. And it's accessible for everybody to watch and dissect and give their analysis about, you know, whatever it is that they're seeing and their speculation. But at the time in late 1998, there were only a couple places that I can think of that you could go to. And it was like the force.net or like ain't it cool news or, you know, some, some of the wackier weird places that you can go and talk to people about it. But it wasn't something that was just, wholly in the, and I'm air quoting public sphere, like social media exists right now. Um, so it was just a completely different time. So in September of 1998 is when we got the title announcement for the Phantom Menace. I believe it was September the 25th of 1998, if I'm remembering my dates correctly. Did a little bit of research, but you know me, I, I'm fly by the seat of my pants here, guys. And Yes, September 25th, 1998. And according to StarWars.com, this is the little blurb that they put with that. One of the most common questions fans have been asking is, quote, what is the title of the new Star Wars movie? We're happy to report that George Lucas has decided to name the new movie Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. As announced earlier, the new movie will appear in theaters in the United States and Canada on May 21st, 1999. And that website, the Star Wars website at the time, way different than it is right now. Um, I can remember just clicking into things then, and just the way the internet worked, things were a lot slower back then and sure as hell felt fast, but it sure as hell wasn't by modern standards. Um, and just thinking like, well, what does that mean? Who is the Phantom? What is the Phantom Menace? Is it, we didn't know anything about these movies except that they were going to center the only concrete things I think we knew at the time was that it was going to center on Anakin um, and kind of his story and falling into the darkness. But <clears throat> once having that title was very mysterious and hyper pulpy, which is very much in the George Lucas tradition. Um, so people went crazy for it and because we didn't know what it meant. And, you know, luckily we didn't have to wait too much longer to get our first looks at um, the trailer 
this teaser trailer, but it was still such a wild time to be involved in thinking that there were going to be new toys, new tie-in materials, you know, because Dark Horse had the comics license at the time. And around then I was very much buying comic books um, that kind of waned for a number of years. And then I got back into it with the relaunch of the Star Wars title back in 2015. Um, but it was, there was so much around it, you know, the promotions with KFC and Pizza Hut and Taco Bell and that kind of stuff. Um, it was just everywhere. Phantom Menace fever was inescapable if you were a part of you know the fandom and even just otherwise you know seeing commercials on tv for it um after the trailer was dropped but you know the 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 promotion machine for this movie was off the charts and it's weird to think about it now in comparison to how what it takes to promote a movie now and how much money is put into it but at the time um you know star wars again, wasn't so much in the, in the zeitgeist that people were like, hell yeah, Star Wars, or, or it was, oh yeah, I remember that thing. If you were just a fan of movies who didn't fall into the hole, like we all did, but, um, there was so much to try to absorb about what this movie might be. And mind you, when this trailer dropped, we hadn't seen any toys really. Um, the, the big midnight drop, happened at the beginning of May in 99, um, just a few weeks before the movie was released. So, and the frenzy behind that was a whole ordeal too. But um, once we started finding out that this trailer was going to be happening, the excitement was just palpable. Now, again, let's go back in time a little bit here and discuss what the internet was like at the time, because it wasn't like we do, like we have now where you just open up your laptop. And if you're lucky enough to have a pretty decent connection, you watch movies without any lag. You can talk to your friends from different corners of the world without, you know, any major hiccups. Um, but at the time, everything was just about like a dial up. I don't even know if DSL was much of a thing or how widespread it was at the time, but I know for myself, I happen to have a friend of mine at the time. His name was Max. Uh, we're good buddies at the time. I still talk to him from time to time. We've known each other for 30 years almost now. Um, Max's dad owned a company and by title, he was a flavor chemist. So he would make flavors that would go out, you know, to distribution for different companies and stuff like that. Um, but because of his work, he had a pretty good internet connection, uh, in his office, uh, at, where he worked and also at home uh, in his home office. So we would go to the office where he worked at the actual place where they had like the big, you know, uh, uh, like little silo dealies that he mixed all of his flavors in and, you know, did all of his sciencey bits and, you know, whatever the hell, I don't know what the, that stuff was. It was just, I was like, just wanted to play games on his computer because it was fun. Um, so we would go play mist and we played Riven and games like that, um, on their computer at his work because it could handle the amount of processing power that those games had or, or, or needed at the time. Um, and when we were, when we would go to Max's house, um, and if you remember what computers looked like at the time, all the rage at that time was little tiny computer screens. 
Um, the big like Apple screens with like all the colors. I think that was a little bit later, not too much later, but I just remember him having this little monitor in his home office that couldn't have been more than maybe eight or nine inches corner to corner. But like, that's what was hot at the time. Um, so, you know, we have computer screens now that are as big as TV screens, monitors that you could watch the highest of the high def things now. But at the time that didn't exist. Um, and to watch a video and now for people who were around at the time, open up YouTube, click on the thing, watch an ad, bing, bang, boom. There you go. Videos playing. But back then it was a matter of downloading this thing. So on Wednesday, November 18th, 1998, Max and I went up to the office and again, for context, if somebody picked up the phone while you were trying to get online, it disrupted your signal. Um, cause that's how there weren't dedicated like, um, internet ethernet kind of lines that existed at the time. So everything went through your phone. Um, so if somebody in another room picked up the phone to try to make a phone call, guess what? Your connection got severed and then you'd have to start all over again. And dial up modems were a trip. You've heard the sounds, what they sound like. They were not pleasant to listen to. If you've never heard one, you can go online and you can find that stuff right now. Cause it was a trip. Um, super unpleasant, but it was exciting to hear that sound as well, because you knew you were going to be connecting to the World Wide web. It was the thing that connected you to the rest of the world and other people who had internet capabilities, which was not, we didn't have it in our house for a while. Um, we didn't have the money for it. It was expensive and, and we couldn't do that. So anyway, Wednesday, November 18th, we go up to the office and it was late in the afternoon, I want to say, and boy, we had to wait to download the video to try to watch this thing. Um, and it was a game changer for, I believe it was Apple at the time who owned QuickTime. And that was the only way you could watch this thing on the website. Um, it ended up garnering 10,000 or 10 million downloads. I don't know the time frame of this, but this is how many downloads this is. The, the streaming numbers were not a streaming was not a thing. You had to download this thing and then try to watch it. And when you did, it wasn't like a full screen that you could have on your TV. Boy, I sound like an old fucking man talking about this shit right now, but it was a little window that popped up on the screen. And for us, I think the highest quality we could get was we joked that it was that it was the size of a postage stamp. But imagine essentially like the size of uh, like a, like an earpod or like an AirPod case. Put that in front of your computer screen, and that's about what we had to work with. And if you tried to make it full screen, which you might have been able to do, it was grainy as hell. It was super pixelated. You couldn't really see anything. So having it be that smaller size was what it was. And it starts off, and it's that green thing. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play it. Um, but I do have some more that I'm going to talk about uh, afterwards. I'm not going to talk over the trailer. I just want to witness it again. And, and think about exactly what this thing is. So I'm going to talk over the beginning just for a second because it is a little quiet. There's the green screen and then just kind of the lead up before any of the music starts. But imagine a 20-year-old or even younger at the time 
experiencing this for the first time. to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Twenty-five years later, I don't know how many times I've seen that trailer. It still gets me pumped. That is one of the greatest trailers in all of all of movies. And what it did, outside of just giving us all the hype for the movie that was to come out a few months later, but it kind of changed the way we looked at movie trailers afterwards. You know, everything had to have a teaser and then a trailer some kind of a reveal that got people more excited. So like trailer culture kind of became a th- almost a thing afterwards. Um, it helped to solidify what QuickTime became and, uh, you know, bolster all of that stuff technologically. But the hype when this thing came out after I remember sitting there watching it with Max and we watched this thing repeatedly and it was like, like, don't talk. Let's just see what, who is that? What does that even mean? What, what is that thing? All of the, the visuals, the colors, the vibrancy of this thing was way different than what we had seen in star Wars prior. But I, I know for me, it felt like it matched what my imagination was for the larger galaxy, seeing these other weird creatures being introduced to Jar Jar Binks, which people have their opinions of the character. I've never really had a huge um, negative thought on Jar Jar. He was just a, a player in the movie. I love Ahmed best. I love the turnaround on the man now and people's love for him, especially from people who were kids at the time. But it was a little shaky early on, but the very first words that are spoken in this trailer uh, is Jar Jar. And it sounds like he's saying, I'm sorry, <laughs> which take that how you will. But it's um, 
that's the first words in this thing, you know, where the first spoken words of a new hope are C-3PO saying what we're doomed. Um, yeah. And all of the looks, all of the texturing, the, the, like the fade in, uh, you know, creatures coming through like the Nebu swamps and all of that. Um, it was, it was breathtaking, even just to see it on that little tiny screen at the time, it was enough to feel like everything was going to be different afterwards. So when the trailer was, was put out on the star Wars website, which again, I don't know how they managed to handle the traffic at the time, because even now websites crash when there's too much traffic. I look at Taylor Swift ticket sales, but um, the blurb that ran with it and <clears throat> the information with the trailer said this, the trailer for episode one runs over two full minutes it was 88 seconds if i'm pretty if i'm not mistaken filled with a full spectrum of images from george lucas's newest movie quote the trailer works together conceptually with the advanced one sheet and theatrical banner commented jim ward lucasfilm director of marketing they are all united in how they speak about the film we wanted to convey that episode one is the beginning of the star wars saga at heart it's the story of anakin skywalker a young boy who must begin to face the destiny ahead of him and without ruining the surprise of the film, we wanted the images in the trailer to introduce people to the amazing visions in episode one, end quote. Director George Lucas was closely involved in the development of the piece, which both reveals and conceals exactly what he wants for audiences at this time. Teams at 20th Century Fox and Lucasfilm worked together to craft a trailer that conveys key aspects of the film and its story within a dazzling array of images. Quote, it may look like this trailer gives away a lot, says the trailer's editor, Mark Murka, but it's only scratching the surface, end quote. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Ben Burt prepared special soundtracks mixed by Gary Rydstrom, offering at least one special touch for fans who notice subtlety. Subtly. Subtlety. We're excited about it, Jim Ward uh, admits. We can't wait for our fans to see it. Now, between you and me, at the time, it did not feel like this trailer gave away too much. I know, in hindsight, it kind of does. Um, there's a lot that we see visually in this trailer that, um, I, you know, I've heard, heard some kind of criticisms about afterwards. And I say that mildly criticisms about the, especially like the, the Darth Maul double-bladed lightsaber would have been a cool thing to experience on the screen for the first time instead of the trailer. But at the time, since there was nothing else <clears throat> visually that was out and around for star Wars, it was a way to get people hooked. So I think it was a smart decision to keep the double bladed saber in the trailer or to kind of reveal it that way. Now at this point, I think there were only two Phantom Menace toys that were out uh, either by the time of the trailer or just shortly afterwards, that was the Stap Droid. Uh, that was it was a battle droid on like this brown flyer. Came in this big box. I have one packed away, and I th I want to say the very first figure that came out for the Phantom Menace was Mace Windu with a blue lightsaber. I could be mistaken on that. I didn't look it up, guys. Um, but I remember the Stap Droid uh, being a thing and not having any context for it except for the fact that like, hey man, that looked. It looks cool. What is a battle droid? How is the Clone Wars going to be a thing in this? We didn't know. We knew nothing. And this trailer raised more questions than it did uh, give answers. Now, 
outside of the fact that this thing was something that you could download at home if you had a computer and an internet connection that could do that, this thing ran ahead of three different movies um, the week of the trailers of the online release. So it was Meet Joe Black, The Waterboy, and The Siege were the three movies that this thing ran ahead of. And people went to the movies, paid for a full ticket to see the trailer and leave, um, which was uh, kind of an unheard of phenomena at the time where the hype for this thing was as big as it was. And the reactions of people, and I'm pulling, I I went and looked at a couple of newspaper articles from the time, and uh, there was a a cool archived story up from theforce.net from back in uh, November of 1998. And people came out of this thing with reactions that were like, I don't even want to say mixed, but you know, you can have like a positive amount of skepticism, like, well, I hope it's good. But to hear what people are saying about, you know, what it, what it looked like. And just thinking about, you know, a couple of these things, I'm going to read it straight from the article. There was a, a then 24 year old Rob McNeese, who says, unbelievable, unbelievable. I consider myself a harsh critic, but after the trailer, I was applauding. Good on you, Rob. Uh, another one, uh, Jim Hare, 31 years old at the time. He says, it's going to be incredible. Uh, he went, saw the trailer and then snuck out of Meet Joe Black because he wasn't about to stay to see Meet Joe Black. Nobody wanted to see Brad Pitt in 1998. We were talking about Star Wars. A lot of people wanted to see Brad Pitt in 1998. I mean, come on. Um, but he predicted this guy, he predicted that it would knock Titanic off of its number one grossing spot. It did not, but, um, it was still quite big. Um, thinking about everything that was going on, the looks of these characters, um, again, seeing Jar Jar for the first time, getting a quick look at pod racing when, when John Williams music really pops, um, what was all of this stuff? It was everything that was faster and more intense, which is very much uh, George Lucas's uh, directing style for the original, well, for A New Hope. Um, he didn't direct the other two guys. So it was um, it was crazy to just sit with this thing and be able to watch it over and over and over again. Um, but it was... It was, there was so much just craziness around it. I, there's a nut from another article here. Um, there was a, uh, one guy says his name was Rich, Rich Rosado. He's 24 years old at the time. He says, this better be good. I just put down $9 for 30 seconds, actually about two minutes of entertainment. And after so many years of hype, did it work for Rich? Did the movie work? I don't know. For a lot of people, it didn't. For me, it did. I had a lot of fun with the Phantom Menace. But here we are now. It's 25 years later. Um, the Phantom Menace trailer still elicits an emotion uh, in fans uh, who were around at the time, and some who came into the fandom uh, a year, you know, years later, or were too young to be part of like more of a online community of fans, like some of us were at the time. But if you were there for Celebration Chicago in 2019, I was lucky enough to be in the room um, sitting with our good buddy, Michael Morisi, uh, along with thousands of other people for that Phantom Menace, the Phantom Menace panel on Monday. 
which was the uh, the 20th anniversary of the movie. Um, say what you will about that whole panel, but the panel started with the trailer for the movie. And it's still playing on a bigger screen with people who have probably seen that movie tens, if not hundreds of times, depending on your level of fandom. Um, I know I saw the movie in the, in the theater, maybe three or four times back in 99. I wasn't super way into star Wars. I mean, it ignited reignited the spark, but you know, I wasn't trying to go 17 or 18 times. I think I saw it three times. Um, but that room at celebration was hyped because of what this trailer is, regardless of, of our thoughts on the movie years later, whether we love it or hate it or are somewhere in between the way this trailer is cut, the way this music plays over it, the way the title comes up at the end, um, was in my opinion, uh, it was perfection is a perfect trailer and the trailers for attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith. I think maybe we had gotten used to the idea of what a star Wars trailer was. So maybe they didn't carry the same kind of hype, but they're both very good. Um, just as well. So I mentioned the editor, Mark, I believe it's Merka. Uh, his last name is spelled M R N K A. So I hope I'm saying it right. At the time he said that he felt like this trailer gave a lot away um, or that it doesn't. But I know fans at the time were like, Oh, well, we'll just, we just knew the whole movie. Uh, it just gave away the whole movie and he didn't. There's a whole lot of stuff that's not in this trailer that you can speculate on. Because you think most of this trailer is just a second or two here or there of a character or of a look or of sound of a ship of a location um, without giving anything away. And for a title that was that threatening, this movie looked to be very light and action packed and all of that kind of stuff. Um, But the underlying thematics of the movie, which you're not really talking about right now, um, you know, we would come to understand those things much, much later on. So uh, this is not a critique of the movie itself, just of what this trailer was like at the time and how it makes us feel, how it makes me feel now. Obviously, there's some very real nostalgia that's tied to watching this thing now, but uh, feeling like we were entering this new world, not just for Star Wars, but what internet capabilities were going to be like, how we would experience Star Wars after this trailer came out because, you know, the web was still relatively young at the time and things were rapidly changing. Um, It was one of those watershed moments for movies and more specifically for Star Wars and for those of us who were around at the time. Um, But it made me want to go back and read some of the books that I missed that, you know, whether I thought they would have any connection to the movie or not was kind of irrelevant. I was just excited to to dive back in. Um, so by the time of the movie's release, when the toy drop happened, it was myself and my buddy Darren went to the Toys R Us in Calumet City, Lansing, Illinois, uh, sat in line for, I don't know, an hour or two. And it wasn't a huge line for the store. There might have been by the time we got let in, I don't know, 50, 60 people. From what I remember, we were somewhere in the middle. And I remember thinking all I wanted at the time was the 12 inch Darth Maul figure. 
because I think uh, some of the toy magazines had had preview images for what some of the figures were going to look like. So I think we kind of knew if I remember right. Um, and by the time I got back where the figures were, they were gone because I think they only got a few, but they had bins of the three and three quarter figures like these baskets. And then they had them up on the hooks back in the, in the aisles. Um, and they had roped off sections of the store that you couldn't go around. Like you weren't trying to go in there buying some Barbies. They basically directed you straight to star Wars and then back out to the registers. Cause you weren't leaving without giving them your money. Um, and at the time I want to say I was, I think I was working a retail job, maybe on like a target or something. Um, and I was also DJing a couple nights during the week. So I had some money, but I didn't have like all the money. And I just remember buying, I think maybe I'm trying to remember how many figures came out on that initial launch, but it was somebody knows the exact number, but I think I walked out of there with like eight figures, the 12 inch Jar Jar. I mean, not 12 inch. Yeah. 12 inch Jar Jar and Qui-Gon. Uh, but I did not get the Darth Maul, which is what everybody was clamoring for anything Darth Maul. I did walk out with the three and three quarter Darth Maul. Um, and the cool thing was that uh, Toys R Us gave out like these certificates that basically said, I'm a sicko who cares more about Star Wars than going to sleep on May 3rd, 1999. And uh, I think by the time we got out of there, it was probably quarter to one. Because I think we just kind of hung around and and tried to see if anybody dropped something that we thought might be of any value that would buy us a house in the future, man, were we wrong on that one? (laughs) Um, but it was still part of the hype. Um, and it all started with this trailer for me. Um, it was, it was such a cool time to be involved with star Wars fandom. I it's great now, but the scarcity of, of stories, at least on the big screen at the time, made these things feel so much more special, I think, than they do now. And I'm, that's not me trying to put down the content that we're getting now because I, you know I, I'm finding things to like in all of it, even the things that I don't that don't hit all that well for me. But you know, knowing that we had waited 17, 15, 16 years at that point to get any kind of look at anything. Uh, on a big screen and then going to see it. Um, and I th- I believe I've told this story before, but the first time I saw the Phantom Menace, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Angelina, she, wa- I was DJing at a bar in Chicago called exit. It was a punk rock bar. I was there every Monday night doing the thing. And she had heard a contest on the radio and whatever the question was, the answer was C3PO. And she happened to win tickets to see the Phantom Menace on its opening day at 10 o'clock in the morning um, on its release date. So she came into the bar that night and she said, hey, I won tickets. I forget if it was either four or six tickets altogether to go see the movie on that Wednesday that it was coming out. And she said, I don't know anything about Star Wars, but I only I knew because of you that the answer for this thing was C-3PO. So she invited me and a few other people. And the night prior, we went to the Vic Theater in Chicago because they do a thing called the Bruin View. We can watch the movies uh, in their music venue. And, you know, they had drinks and stuff like that. And we watched uh, the Truman Show. And I forget what the other movie was and stayed up all night, myself and another friend, Lenny, and watched 
uh, the original trilogy, tried to stay up all night to watch the OT and then go the following morning to see the Phantom Menace. And the drive to that theater was maybe like an hour away. It was on the suburbs. We were all in the city at the time to uh, go watch Phantom Menace at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, and walking out of that thing, feeling excited, but still unsure of how I felt about it, but not again, personally, not really feeling let down, uh, about the experience. Cause it was star Wars and it was back and it was fun. And there were lightsabers and there's Obi-Wan and Yoda puppet Yoda with his weird ass face. Um, and I remember Angie and I afterwards, we went out to get brunch. I guess you would say it was probably like 1230. We got pancakes and then, uh, I went home, uh, and at the time I was still living at home and my mom being like, what did you think about the new star Wars movie? And I was like, I ain't gonna take a nap. We'll talk about it later. And I told her later that I really liked it and, and working in the bar at the time, you know, people's opinions were not as high on it as mine. And I tried not to let it sully my experience of the whole thing just because it was a thing we were waiting for, for so long. And it was finally there. And it was the start of this brand new trilogy and this whole new era of storytelling uh, that we were told was going to end again. And now it just won't die, regardless of what the pundits on YouTube say. Star Wars is not dead. It's far from it. And if you know now how my fandom is is so deeply rooted, cemented in Star Wars, with the things like books and com- uh, comics, not just the movies, that there's always going to be something that'll that'll pull me back in. That'll get its hooks in me right now. It's the books. It's the high Republic stuff. Um, and even they have essentially trailers for the initiative and the eras of it and like villains and character kind of trailer things. Um, so, but all of that stems from what happened in the fall of 1998, just prior to Thanksgiving, uh, and how it stoked our excitement and, it made us feel like we weren't alone in the fandom because there were at least 10 million other people who were excited to see this thing enough to download it to their computers. But that's going to do it guys. I don't want to keep rambling here. I just wanted to do something kind of special to remember um, for myself and kind of put it on record what it was like at the time uh, leading up to the hype of the Phantom Menace and this trailer watching it on a little tiny computer screen, be even smaller than that. Um, but still super, super stoked on it. So were you around at the time? Were you, um, alive, uh, in 1998? Let me know. Tell me what, uh, your experiences, what the fans, the Phantom Menace trailer were like, not so much the movie, but just the trailer experience. You know, hit me up on the socials at Cad Bane's bounty on Twitter and blue sky. Uh, if you're on blue sky, um, you can, uh, find links to all the stuff, uh, and other ways to contact me through the emails and whatever on the website, jammedtransmissions.com. Uh, there is a link to email there. And um, yeah, guys, let me know if you were around at the time. How old were you? Uh, what does the Phantom Menace mean to you? What did this trailer mean to you? Again, if you remember having seen it ahead of the movie's release, uh, did you buy a ticket to see this trailer on the big screen and then walk out of the water boy? because you were so thirsty from this movie that there wasn't enough high quality H2O to quench that thirst. You had to go leave and get something else. I don't know. Um, but hit me up guys. You know where to do all of that kind of stuff. And, um, please remember to rate and review these episodes. However, you're listening. Uh, welcome to any new listeners that are out there. I think I've gained a few, um, that have uh, mentioned so much to me. Uh, guys, I do love this pod doing this podcast and, 
Um, I'm grateful to all of you who take the time to listen whenever I put these episodes out. So um, please remember to rate and review. Uh, there's a link on the website to T Public if you want to grab a shirt. And uh, I do have some things planned coming up in the future, but with the holidays, we'll see how scheduling works and uh, some guests I might want to have on and maybe some guest appearances I might have done on another podcast or two. You'll just have to wait and see what happens with all of that. But guys, um, I'm going to go watch The Phantom Menace right now, or at least that trailer a couple of times and just uh, live in my younger years where uh, my back doesn't hurt all the time and my knees don't scream at me. But until then, guys, uh, may that force be with you. Bad baby.